Good, 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 good. Good, awesome deal. Hey, uh, we got some cool news going on over the church right now. Uh, the new building, uh, they are currently uh, grinding the floors, getting ready to paint the floors throughout the building. And so uh, that's awesome news. It's been a journey to, to get to that point. And so over the next week, uh, we would ask that uh, you don't walk into the building and walk around uh, as the floors will be uh, painted and your feet will be a mess and that floor will be a mess. And we will ask for more tithe money from you if you do that. <laughs> so uh, it's awesome news, though, that the uh, floor is getting done this week. Uh, progress is being made. And so I know they've been working on sound stuff and some other things going on right now, some, some cool stuff. Hopefully here in the next few weeks, we will be in the new building. And so uh, please take note of that. Please keep your listening ears as we begin to get to that place. And so uh, that's awesome news this morning. Everybody doing good? All right, let's pray as we dive in this morning. As we talk about lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and uh, how David had tests before he ever met Goliath, but let's pray. And so, Father, we come to you right now. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing amongst us. Thank you for the new building and what you're doing over there as we speak. Uh, thank you for the floors coming in this week. And so we pray that, Father, you go before those workers, as they uh, paint the floors, that, Lord, they uh, might be reminded, even in the midst of painting floors, how you have served them. I pray that, uh, Lord, you just go before them. I pray that, Lord, in the next few moments, as we open up your word, that, Lord, you would speak to us, that you would encourage our hearts, that, Lord, you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, encourage where we need to be encouraged, and that, Father, we would walk out knowing you more and more as you uh, journey this journey of faith with us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Carson came home the other day all nervous at school. It was testing week, but it was a certain kind of test that I think had him a little bit nervous because my boy uh, seems to not be too nervous around certain tests, but this test had him a little nervous. I could hear it in his voice. I could see it in his face. It was the physical education test. Anybody remember the physical education test? Anybody remember that as a kid? And all the sit-ups, push-ups, the running. And Carson was going through what it would take to get outstanding on the running of a mile. And he said, seven minutes and 30 seconds. How y'all feeling about that? 7.30 for you? Feeling good? Feeling like that'd be a little bit of a struggle? Is that hours? Yes, that's the great question. Is that hours or what? Yes. But I could hear in Carson's voice because my son is a perfectionist, and he wanted to make sure that he did his best at this test. And it got me thinking back to when I took tests. Anybody in here, are you a good test taker? Anybody in here? Come on, raise your hand if you're, are, yes, yes, y'all stink. Okay. <laughs> I hate you, but I love you. I was not a good test taker. In fact, uh, Kids Health really had an article on this that makes sense for my son, because my son oftentimes is not, he gets a little nervous around the test taking, but I got real nervous around test taking from childhood all the way through college, and there's such a thing as test anxiety. Anybody have that? Anybody test anxiety? Yes, when you get going and test, and anxiety starts to well up in you, and adrenaline starts to pump through you. And for some of you, you get what? what? What are some of the reactions to some of that drilling, running through, and that anxiety kicking up? What is, come on, what are, what are some of the things you feel? Nervousness, your palms start getting what? Sweaty, you feel a little bit flush in the face. For me, you guys know it. I say this, and I'm not trying to be rude. I'm somewhere back in that room back there. 
um, quite a bit. I'm just, I get real nervous. And when I get real nervous, anxiety, you know, for me, I, I, I just don't feel well. And I, I, it overcomes me. And they're saying that there's such a thing as performance anxiety. Anybody performance anxiety? And, and the root of it is this, guys. I'm a perfectionist. Anybody else in the room a perfectionist? Like you want things to be done perfectly. Like when you go to do something that needs to be done perfectly, and when it's not done perfectly, anybody else beat yourself up afterwards. You sit there and you replay everything in your mind. And I'm an analyzer as well. So for me, that's a bad combination. When you're a perfectionist and an analyzer, you, you analyze everything you just did. And so it, it made sense, you know, for Carson, he's going through and he's wondering what? If he's going to get outstanding on every category there. And we already said to him, but the whole stand reach thing with the whole flexibility, you're going to lose really badly. Because my son gets down to about his kneecaps when he stretches, right? You, you know, your hands and you got to get all the way down. And so we were just going through that. And we're like, buddy, it's going to be okay. It's all right if you're not perfect. It's okay if you're not outstanding. Uh, but tests just make me nervous. Anybody good at quizzes? You know the difference between a quiz and a test? Anybody good at quizzes? Okay, I wasn't great at quizzes either, but there's one thing I loved about quizzes. They seem to get me ready for the real test. Like I could endure the quiz, especially the, anybody, come on. All of a sudden, we have the what? Pop quiz. And when the teacher announced pop quiz, guess what happened to the guy who likes perfectionism? Holy cow. My heart started racing. My palms became sweaty. I started racing through, do I know this stuff? And yet, once I got done with the quiz, I was actually happy because I knew this. If that same stuff was on the test, I was going to do all right. And today, what we're going to talk about is David had some quizzes before he ever took the real test. David had a few small tests along the way to get him ready for Goliath. And here's the news for us this morning. God is going to send you and me through some smaller tests before we ever face our Goliath. And that's a good thing. In fact, God wants to do something in you before you ever meet Goliath. Here's the problem that we have. We think that Goliath is the ultimate test, and so we just think that we just get thrust into that position, and God is trying to lead you up to that point, trying to grow you in your faith before you ever step onto the battlefield with Goliath. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to read this to us. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, except there's no tigers, so that's a lie. But let's do this. 1 Samuel 17, let's read four verses together. This will be our context for today. And then we're going to take a look at how God prepared David for Goliath through these smaller tests. Verse 34, when David, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. So let me just lay the context here. Saul is questioning David and whether David is the man to go face the nine foot giant. You're only a boy. Who are you going to be the one to face this champion? And David replies, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. 
because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, good luck, bud. Hope God's with you. <laughs> Paraphrase. He says, go and let the Lord be with you. I think in Saul in this moment is like, yeah, that's nice. Lions and bears. Oh my, I don't even know if I really believe that, but Dave, that's cool. If you think that you've done that, great. Now you're about to meet the ultimate warrior. You're about to go meet their champion. You're about to go meet the guy who has struck down all of his enemies. Good luck. Hope God's with you. But if you notice, before he ever got to Goliath, David says what? God put me to test in the backfields with these lions and these bears. Here's this big point. Let's roll with this. Testing will come before you ever meet your giant. I don't know what giant you have in your life right now. Maybe you don't have a giant. Maybe you're meandering in life right now. But I can tell you this, a giant is coming. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble Come on, why, why do we as Christians think that like trouble is like, you know, we think something's wrong. And Jesus is saying, no, there's trouble that's coming. You're going to have giants as you go along this journey of life. And I'm going to put you to the test before you ever meet your giant, your Goliath. And so he did it through what? Lions of bears on the backfield. And it's through this fighting that David is keeping hold of his sheep. He's trying to retain the sheep, trying to keep the sheep safe. That's actually going to prepare him for fighting the giant. I was thinking about this for us. One of the reasons I think myself and maybe some of you don't like taking tests is it makes me uncomfortable. How many of you like comfort? Come on. Yeah? I was just giving a hard time to somebody in the back row over here. I won't mention names over in the corner because he's about to lose his seat when we go to the new building because that seat is warmly padded. It is, is now fit his <laughs> rear end. And I told him there's no wall in that new building. There's no wall for you to lean up against. It is going to be a new. And I could hear it on his way. I'm going to find the seat, man. Because my rear end grooves are stuck in here. I'm finding it. I'm just going to just mess with him. I'm going to put that thing somewhere where he can't find it. But, but isn't that the way it is? You guys sat down today because you are what? You're comfortable with where you typically sit. I'm looking around. I'm laughing because you all are in the same spots. Seriously. I'm looking around and I'm going, I'm laughing because you have picked the same exact stinking seat as you sat in last week, except if you're Conley because you got booted from the second row because you're not that important anymore. <laughs> Guys, we live in America and we expect what? We expect ease and comfort. I was reminded of that here back in the fall. We decided it was time for Carson to get a new bed. Okay, so his bed was a hand-me-down from myself when I was single in 2001. It's time. 
And so we decided um, with your gracious gift that you guys gave to us for Pastor Appreciation Month, it was time to get Carson a new bed. And so we did the whole day's journey. Anybody ever done the whole day's journey where you are testing out beds at all these different places? So we drove around for hours testing out beds. And of course, my son had to pick out the bed that was most comfortable, that was the most expensive, to which I gently remind him that you're not paying. But it was one of those ones that what were, what were we doing on the beds? We were laying down and we were, we were asking him, how comfortable is it? On a scale of one to 10, Carson, how you feeling on this bed? And Carson liked the pillow top. But you put him on a firm and what do you say? Too hard. It's too hard, Dad. And all that was in within me, because I'm a tightwad, but I'm also understanding a little bit more of the world, is I wanted to say, no African kid would be laying on a bed thinking how comfortable it is, son. You get what you get, right? Anybody? Come on, parents in the house. You know how it is. Kids would starve for that cheeseburger. But it tastes like crud. I don't care you're going to eat it some because a kid in Africa would what? Die for that, right? You do sleep on a pillow top. I do sleep on a pillow top. <laughs> Who's paying? That's right. Who's paying? I like that. I like that. But I got reminded through this whole episode that we as Americans like things comfortable. We do. You don't like waiting in McDonald's drive-through for more than a couple minutes. (laughs) And when you have to wait longer, what do we start doing? Complaining. I had a guy yesterday on 32. I was, Friday, I was driving back and I was going 68 miles per hour on 32, and he zipped around me like I was standing still and gave me the bird as he went around me. To, yeah, to which, to which. I love you all. I do tell my buddies in ministry, I'm like, you've never met a church like our church. I'm like, I've never heard people talk back to the pastor as much as this church. And it's one of the things I tell them I love about our church is you guys are just real. Keep it honest. But it was one of those things that, honestly, he made me uncomfortable in that moment. And I I seriously began to push the accelerator harder. And I thought... We're doing Christmas vacation here in a second, man. This is going to be wild. But I was uncomfortable. Listen to what Mark Sayers says about what's going on in our society right now. Let's go to the next slide. He says, millennials, anybody a millennial in here? Millennials, any millennials? Okay, maybe some of you are millennials, some of you don't know. We're privileged to be born during this post-Cold War period. Many came of age during an economic boom that lasted until the global financial crisis in 2008. This was also a period when education was permeated with the self-esteem ethos that emphasized feelings. 
and downplay the possibility of disappointments and difficulties that strengthen us. All this coupled with the rise of social media has given them inflated life expectations because their teachers and their parents and their leaders have encouraged them to live out a faulty life script. When I read that this week, I was floored. And I was thinking about millennials, but I was thinking about even how I've grown accustomed to them. I'm just outside that millennial age bracket, but I have grown into a place where things are supposed to be easy and comfortable, and any kind of difficulty is seen as what? Bad. And somewhere I think it's sort of permeated us, even as we get older, that we think life is supposed to be easy and comfortable. Because some of you are heading into, some of you are there, it's called what? Retirement. And what was your understanding of retirement? What is it? What's our understanding of retirement? Come on. Chill on a beach. And we get to finally, what, relax and be comfortable. Now, those of you who retired, how many of you would say life is easy and comfortable all the time right now? For some of you, it's gotten harder, actually. There's a reality. There's a false understanding of even how we get to retirement, and everything is supposed to be hunky-dory and easy. But listen to what James chapter 1 says is my favorite verses in all Scripture. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Notice, first of all, James says what? Trials are coming. Trouble is coming. And he says they're going to be in many various kinds of trouble. It's coming. You can try to avoid it. You can take the latest pill to make sure that you avoid it. But it is coming. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Resiliency. I saw it up in my son's or my daughter's elementary school building the other day. I walked in. Their word for the month a couple months ago was resiliency. We're trying to teach kids resiliency, perseverance. Why? Because we quit when things get hard in our society today. Job gets hard. What do we do? We quit. Go find a new one. Marriage gets hard. What do we do? We sign the divorce papers. I've had couples come in and they tell me, I don't want to be around them much anymore because you know what? They're messing with my happiness. And I look at them, I go, you shouldn't have got married then. And it's not about your happiness. God would say first it's about your holiness. Marriage is the battleground that makes you more like Jesus Christ. If you want to be happy, honey, I would remain single. And even then, you're going to be a mess. Because welcome to our broken, fallen world. Let perseverance, resiliency, finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. David's got to face his lion and his bear to prepare him for his Goliath. And just like David, your faith is going to be tested. And guys, that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. 
Notice what James says at the end, that your faith may be what? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. There was a young man who wanted to be a peach farmer, and he invested everything into getting his peach farm underway. Finally, his peaches began to blossom, but a frost came along and killed all of his peach crop. The young man entered church that following Sunday and told his pastor, he says, I'm done with God. Do you think I want to worship a God who cares for me so little that he will let a frost kill all of my investment on my peaches? The old minister was silent for a few moments. Then he kindly said, God loves you. God loves you more than your peaches. He knows that while peaches do better without frost, it is impossible to grow the best man without frost. His object is to grow men, not peaches. I don't know what the frost is in your life. I don't know where things went wrong with you, went south with you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. God is going to send you through testing because he loves you too much not to let you go through the testing. First Peter 1 says it this way. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. You feeling the grief? You feeling the pain? These have come so that the proven genuous of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The church is going through suffering. And he said, it is for your good that you are going through the suffering. That your faith, which is worth more than gold, might be refined in the fire so you might give what? Glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ, the end goal. Though you have not seen him, you love him. I love that. Can't wait to see Jesus face to face. But though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's a weight there. You're going through trials to grow you in your faith. So I've been reading a, a book I've had for a couple years now, and I wanted to go through it because I got some guys. We're going to go through it together. Building a discipleship culture in your church, in your local area of ministry, and it caught my attention. And there's a part of the book that really just leaped off the pages to me this week as I was reading it. All right, so... I need, some, I need somebody. What's your day look like today? Let's go. Anybody have a, let's start here. Anybody have a fairly busy day? Okay, Becky, let's go. Fairly busy day. Give me your schedule for the day. Okay. <laughs> May have to get a new marker. With the fam. Let's go noon. We got lunch. Okay, what else we got? Or should I put one o'clock here if pastor goes long? Okay, go ahead. No, we'll go ahead. Noon lunch. What else? Then we got to go back to Maddie's house because Pastor had to take her back up to OU. What time is that? Maddie, what time are you leaving? 
Three. Okay, so mom, mom trumps you because she's mom. She says 2 p.m. Take Maddie back. That's a two-hour drive. How long are you guys going to be uh, at OU? I'm just dropping her off. Just dropping her off. You'll be lucky, Matt, if you get curbside service. She may just toss you as you're going. All right? So 4 p.m., drop Maddie off. In that four-hour period, I'll be taking her home. 4.01 p.m., head back. What else have we got, Becky? I have the papers to write still. Okay, so 6 o'clock. Dinner. Oh, they're on their own. I'm gonna grab some going away back. <laughs> 6.30. Grade papers. What else you got? Oh, that's going to take me at least two hours. Two hours. 8.30. What do we got here? <laughs> Fold laundry. <laughs> what else we got? I have to put the laundry away. Put the laundry away. What else we got? So we're looking about 10 o'clock, take a bath. Okay. I'm leaving that alone with the Miani clan. We're not going there in church this morning. All right. What else we got? Bedtime? Okay. 10.30. Should I put bachelor up there or bachelorette? No, that's over. Okay. 10.30. Oh, you already chose Cassie. All right. Bed. What is this, guys? You know what the Bible declares this as? Ready? This is what the Bible declares as chronos time. It's a Greek word. What do we get? What, what, what English word do we get from it? Chronological. It means sequential. It's how we measure time, guys. Look here, watch right now. It's going in minutes, it's going in seconds. It's chronological. Chronos. There's another word the Bible describes time as. This is super important because I think this is where your faith grows. Kairos. Kairos. That's Greek to me. Let me explain what it means. It means time that's measured in events. Here's what happened. David had multiple Kairos events happen that led him to Goliath. Did David go through the Kronos of the day? Yes. But you know what Kronos usually does? We just meander through Kronos. We just have our routines and we do our deal and then we go to bed at night. But here's what I'm guessing about Becky today. She's probably going to have one or two of these Kairos moments. These are moments where her blood pressure goes up, her anxiety starts to go, feelings start to, start to bubble over, and she's going to have these moments where her brain adrenaline is going to start feeding it. 
And in that moment, here's what's going to happen. She's going to have this time where she's going to have to say, something is happening to my body and my mind. Therefore, it's probably time to pause because it's time to evaluate, evaluate what's going on. Let me give you some Kairos moments. Some of you, let's go big ones. Birth of a child. Ladies, I'm, I'm super jacked up right now. I think I can tell, right? Can I tell? Sure. Okay. I've got multiple friends that are pregnant right now. Three of them have waited for years to get pregnant. We've been praying and pleading with God. I got three of them. And they all happened within a month period. Can I tell? Or is it two? Can I tell? We've got some. We've got people in the room. And so, so we, got, we got some McLeans in the house, two McLeans that are pregnant. Not D. <laughs> but we've got daughters, all right, Katie and Amanda at the same time. It's going to be awesome. But Amanda and Ryan, if you haven't heard their story, they've been pleading and begging. We've been praying with them, pleading with God to get them pregnant for years now. Okay, somebody in the house get excited because this is God. <laughs> No, seriously, this is God. And I can tell you the whole story. It's crazy. Ryan texted me one night with everything going on, and, and it's just a crazy story. I got a buddy that I'm going to see here next weekend in Indianapolis with my former youth group. He does our website, Logan. He and his wife, Kendra, have been waiting for years to have a baby. Guess what? They had a Kairos moment. They found it. He sent me the ultrasound here a few weeks back. And I'm just like, ha. And then I hear about Amanda. I'm like, ha. And I'm going, what in the world is going on here? And then we got the Lawlers. Jonathan and Tara, First Baptist Church here in Mount Orb. Pastor, one of my good friends. They, they lost a child here a few years ago. Was born, lived for less than 24 hours and died. They adopted a son, Josiah, cool little dude. But they've been begging and pleading and I've gone in his office begging and pleading with God to get them pregnant. Guess what? They're pregnant. And I'm like, guys, these are Kairos moments. Have you ever been in a car accident before? Car accident? Come on. Car accident moment? Those are Kairos moments. Okay? When you get told you have cancer, guess what that is? That's not a Kairos moment. That's a Kairos moment. That jolts you, does it not? If you find out you got cancer, it jolts you. Those are big ones, but there's smaller ones throughout the day. Guess what test taking is for me? It's a Kairos moment. I was reminded this morning, as I was reading this book, building a church building is a what? Dwayne, you're feeling it right now, right? It's a Kairos moment. You got anxiety, you got worry, you got all this stuff going on on the inside of your belly's churning. These are Kairos moments. And guess where God loves to build your faith in? Kairos moments. What's your Kairos moment right now? Come on. What is it? Let me give you a, maybe another example. And this, was, this is a cheesy one, but I'm going to give it to you because it happened to me uh, a few weeks ago. Youth group, where'd you guys go here recently? Come on, where'd we, where'd we go? Perfect North to do what? Tubing. See, they're not even phased by it. But this guy right here, guess what he hates? Heights. And he hates roller coasters. I hate them. I hate your stomach going up in your throat. I think that's the worst feeling. I just hate it. 
And so we get to tubing, and Aaron's like, you going to go, big guy? I'm like, I don't know, because Justin, we took the youth group a few years ago, and I sat for two hours at the base just watching kids come down. I'm like, I can't do it. This time, my daughter and my son both went. Guess what your daughter says to you? Daddy, are you going to go with us? And so I paid the money, and I walked in, I grabbed my tube, and here's what happened. You all went where? The biggest hill they could, right off the bat. Like, here come the kids, like, let's go to the big hill over here. And they're like, take off. Here's Chris. I've got my tube, and I'm just staring up at the hillside going, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. And so I'm sitting there, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, give me bunny slope first, yeah. Even that's probably too fast for my gut, but I'm thinking, what? And so in this moment, here's what I'm doing. I'm evaluating the hills, because that's what Chris does, right? Evaluator. I'm saying, which hill could I go on that wouldn't be so bad? And I looked, I'm like, none of them. Everybody went to their first run. Some of them had their hair, like, blown back. We've, we've lost hats on the, on, on the track and stuff. I'm like, no way. And then my daughter goes, Dad, will you go down with me? And I'm like, all right, I got to go. So I get on the conveyor belt, and my stomach is in knots. And I'm like, we're starting with which one? We're starting with the smallest hill that I can. And, and my daughter's like, okay, let's go, Dad. And Aaron, I love you. You were a saving grace for me. She's like, what if we go as a four group down the hill? And I'm like, all right this. And I am in panic mode. And we hold each other's tubes and Aaron's looking at me. She's like, you're nervous, aren't you? I'm like, I'm so nervous. Where's the bathroom? I'm so nervous. And the lady goes, are you guys ready? And I'm like, no. She's like, here we go. And she took the first tube and they put me right in the middle and we started to go down. And what happened? First hill, guess what this happened? Started to come up. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, please, no. We are not wrecking. We are not crashing either. But halfway down, guess what happened? I'm good. I'm good. See, what happened to me was I faced my first lion. And I grabbed it by the hair. And I began to face my fear. The last run we made, we tried to get 33 of us going down the slope together. But this time, they all said, Chris, you're going down the big hill this time. Guess what happened? I'm going up the escalator, and here's what's going on in my belly. Uh Uh-uh, Jesus, this ain't happening. I got to the top, and I'm trying to play it off, right? Because you're the cool guy. You're trying to play it off. And I'm like, this is making me... I watched how fast people were going. I'm like, no way. We went down, eight of us. They wouldn't let 33 of us go down. We went down eight... They said the slopes were too fast that day. Seriously. They're like, it's too fast for 33 people. You guys can go in eights. So like dummies, I get with all the adults who weigh too much. (laughs) No offense. But we went down and we seriously came this far from the bumper curb where we would have gone off the track. You could smell the burnt rubber from us going through the pea gravel. We were going so fast. (laughs) I got off my tube and I seriously went, I want to go down by myself now. That was a blast. What did I just do, guys? I had a Kairos moment where I could feel the weight of things, and I had to step into my Kairos moment, and I had to go forward in it. 
Here's what's happening, guys. What is your Kairos moment right now? What has your stomach in knots? What has your attention? Today, Becky, she, unbeknownst to her, a Kairos moment may happen in the middle of dropping Maddie off. It may happen in the midst of folding laundry. She gets a phone call. I'll pray, I'll pray for you that that doesn't happen. But guys, do you remember? Have you ever had a phone call in the middle of your chronos moment? A phone call happens and someone on the other line is in angst and in pain. And you hear it and all of a sudden in your gut, something happens. And you're like, that's a kairos moment. Now here's what I know about kairos moments. You can either run from your kairos moment or you can walk into your kairos moment. And you can begin to face the lions and the bears that are in your way. You have a choice in that moment. But here's what I know. God is going to send you through some Kairos moments because that's where your faith is ultimately going to grow. That's where you're going to realize that your faith is worth more than gold. And my encouragement to you is don't discount your Kairos moment. But walk into it. The second thing I want you guys to see this morning is this. When you enter into the line and the bears, you will have a new perspective of you and your giant and your God after testing. You're going to have a new perspective. Notice what Paul or what David says here about Saul. He comes in and he says in verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. What is, how does he start off with? He has a new perspective of himself. He says, your servant has been doing this. And in this moment, here's what David is ultimately saying. Saul, first of all, King Saul, I'm your servant. But he's also not saying that he's just Saul's servant, guys. If you get deeper than this, Saul's whom? Saul is the king of Israel. And really he's saying this, that Israel, I am your servant who's going to face Goliath. I am your servant who's already faced the line of the bear. I am your servant. I am below you. I am here to serve you. And ultimately because he is the servant of Israel, guess who he's ultimately serving? Israel's whom? God's chosen people. So he's ultimately serving whom? God. Do you see it? Do you see how that unwinds, how that unpacks? I'm going to give you a notice here about this. I, this hit me this week, just reading this text and just thinking about life. Guys, I don't know what test is coming your way. I don't know what test you're in right now, but here's, the, here's what I know. The tests that are coming your way are about you caring for others rather than building yourselves up. Please hear me on this. As I read this and it hit me, like, I am your servant. David was saying the test that I had with the lion and the bear ultimately was for me to learn how to care for the Israelites and for God's chosen people. So he's on the back fields, David is, and lion bear came up and they attacked one of his sheep. He cares about his sheep because he's a what? He's a shepherd. And so he went and he attacked the lion and the bear because he was going to serve that sheep. And guys, in the same way, you and I, when tests come our way, it's not just about us. It's actually about how we can serve other people. If your marriage is struggling, anybody in the house, your marriage is struggling? I had marriage counseling this week with a couple, and we're in war right now. I told them, it, it, you, you guys are in a 12-round fight, and here we go. That was my analogy, I told them. I'm like, you're in a 12, and guess what? You're going to get hit. And you're going to get knocked down to the canvas. And we're going to see what you're made of. Are you going to get back up? 
I wish marriage was just a smooth, joyful ride, but anybody in the house know it's not? So let me ask you this. Will you serve Jesus even when your, la- your spouse lashes out at you? Will you serve your spouse even when they don't deserve it? Any parents in the house? Your kids testing you right now? Guys, the goal is not for you to make it through so you can declare to the world on Facebook that you are the greatest parent alive. Oh, help us, Lord, with Facebook. We put our best moments on Facebook and act like that's reality. And yet, if you're a parent in the house, you know it, your kids are going to test you. And it's not about you at the end of the day declaring that you're a good parent. Parents, what do you know it's about? It's about how you serve your kids and how you serve Jesus in raising your kids. That's what it's about. It's not about you. You sacrifice, you sacrifice, you sacrifice. Hey, kids, can I just talk to you for a moment? Young people, can I just talk to you for a moment? Your faith is going to be tested in middle school and high school and in college. It's going to be tested. You're going to have kids who make fun of you because you follow Jesus. It's happening. It's happening. Happened to me. I remember, I told you this before, I remember the first time a guy looked at me and I told him I was a virgin in college and he about spat out his food laughing at me. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm dead serious. He's like, why? And I'm like, because I followed Jesus. That's why. I followed Jesus. I got ridiculed for it. Got isolated for it. Guys, it's going to happen. It's coming. You're going to be made fun of because you're a Christian. My question to you is this. Will you stand firm in the faith? Will you serve Jesus in the faith? Will you serve him? Will you? It's a question I was posed when that guy made fun of me and others made fun of me when my roommate made fun of me because I didn't do what he was doing. I got laughed at and I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm following Jesus because Jesus did everything for me. Or will you crumble? For some of you students, you're going to serve what your buddies and your friends and your girlfriends and your, and your guy friends all say. You're going, to, you're going to crumble. And I'll be praying for you when you crumble because guess, guess what I know? There's grace that's waiting for you. That's the good news of the gospel. When you crumble, the great news of the gospel is there is grace waiting for you. So pick yourself back up and let's keep running with Jesus. Who will you serve? The second thing we see is David has a new perspective of Goliath. Did anybody read this? I laughed first time I read it. I mean, it's one of those like punk moments where, where, where he says this in verse 3. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, the, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine. Like first time I read I'm like, who calls somebody an uncircumcised Philistine? Seriously. And yet it was, it was a mockery of him because he was really saying that what? The God of Israel is about to kick your butt and you don't even realize it. How did David have that perspective? Because he killed the lion and the bear in the backfields with his God who rescues him. And we'll see that in verse 37. Because God brought him through. He's saying to the Philistine, what can you do to me? My God is for me. Who can be against me? Let's rock and roll. Let's do this. 
Guys, as you go forward and the enemy is in your face, Goliath in your face, my hope is this, your faith will be building because you've been on the backfields with God and you've wrestled the lion and the bear. And when the giant test comes your way, you'll be able to say, who are you? You're an uncircumcised Philistine. You're a nobody. Let's do this. How do you view your giant right now? Guys, my hope is this. God's been sending you through the test that you might have more confidence in who God is. So when your giant comes your way, you can say, my God is bigger than you. He's been faithful. We just sang it over and over and over again. Lastly, look at this. Look at how he views his God. He says what? Did anybody notice this at the end? Verse 36, he says, he says, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the what? Come on, somebody say it. What, what is it? Living God. I love that term. He doesn't just say God. He says living God. He, put, he puts that adjective before because he's saying what? My God is living and active and breathing. He is on the move. He is at my help at my right hand right now, ready to defend me. He's not stagnant. He's not dead. He's living and he's moving and he's with me always. So guys, the lion and the bear are tests for you to know that your God is living. He's active. He's with you always. And it's in these times of uncertainty that we can be certain that God is with us. Guys, I just, I'll say this as lovingly as I can because I know this is hard in the room. Some of you have lost loved ones. You have lost things in your life. You have lost jobs. You have lost health. You have lost. I'll say this lovingly to you. Guys, the tests that we experience loss are growing your faith in Jesus that he's your true treasure. Did you guys hear me on that? When you lose, God is bringing you through tests so that you'll see that Jesus is the greatest treasure of all. Because you can kill me, you can bury me, but guess what? My God has not left me and he will not forsake me. I will be living with him forever. What can man do to me? I just want to close. Verse 37 caught my attention as well this week. Last thing I want you to know about testing is this God will bring you through, but you got to do your part. Look at verse 37 here. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. I read this verse, and here's my first thought. Now, David, I'm confused. Here you're saying that God delivered you, but earlier you said that you were the one who did what? When the lion and the bear came, you did what? You grabbed the lion by the... Anybody get the imagery of that? Grabbed the lion by the hair? Pulled the sheep out. I'm like, who does that? Who pulls the sheep out? Like, bah. Go on, buddy. Go on. <laughs> Sheep's good. Now you and me, let's rock and roll. It's about to go down. And he kills the lion with his bare hands. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, God delivered you. No, time out. David, I thought you were the one who killed the lion and the bear. I thought it was you. So which is it, David? Both. Ready? I'm going to try to help us all out here. Some of us are facing tests in our life, and here's what we're going to do. Man, I'm facing a test. I, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the test to go through. 
go sit on my couch, eat my potato chips, watch my TV. Can't do anything about it, God. It's all you. Some of you, some of you are doing that right. You're in the middle of a test. Some of you are doing that with a relationship right now. You know the relationship is strained and you're just going, I'll just wait for my husband or my wife to figure it out. I'll just wait for my friend to give me a call. And Jesus says that if you know you have a brother or sister that has something against you, what do you do? Leave your gift at the altar and go what? Go and reconcile. See, guys, here's the deal. Here's the rub. Oftentimes when we go through a test, God is saying, you have a part to play inside of the test. Will you be obedient to what I am telling you to do, and will you follow through with your part of the test? Some of us are just being lazy right now. We're like, nah, good. And God's like, your faith isn't going to grow. Still, others of you, here's the flip side. Here's the, here, here's the other flip side. Some of you right now, you're trying too hard. <laughs> you're trying in your own strength, and you are, dadgummit, I'm an American, I'm going to do this. And so you're trying in your own strength. And you're missing the boat, because what? God is the one who delivered me from the what? The paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Do you, you guys see the rub in this? Do you see the tension in this? And so some of you were in that, and he, I, I, the Lord just noted this to me this week. David was on the backfield with his God, spending time in prayer and really solitude. He was thinking about the law of his God. He was thinking about who his God is. He had time to spend because here's what he did. In his quiet time, he was gaining strength so he could go out into the battle knowing that his God would deliver him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Therefore, I can go and I can be strengthened because God is with me. My question for you and myself is this. How many of us are walking through the day in our own strength and we're frustrated and exhausted right now? Seriously, are you exhausted right now? Are you tired? And I would pose the first question I pose to you is, how much of this are you doing in your own strength? You were not meant to walk into that in your own strength. See, David had the recipe. David had what was really going on. He had in the backfields, he was spending time with his God and his strength and his confidence was building in the Lord his God as he tended for the sheep and he did the everyday mundane things. And his faith was building. So he went to attack. He says, you know what? The Lord delivered me, but I also, I'm the one who struck it, but the Lord gave me the strength. Guys, some of you are walking through the day in your own strength, and my heart breaks for you. You're tired. You're exhausted. And I would ask you the question. I, I would get legit, man. This is... Going to discipleship culture, he talks about this a ton. It, without accountability in your life, you can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ, period. Can't. And he says it very forthright. Too many Christians in the church are walking life without accountability and without help from other people. And here's what he says. You can't be a disciple without having accountability in your life. And I was like, amen. Amen. 
And yet the church in America, we live the most isolated people. We have no relationships with anybody. No one's holding us accountable. And we're wondering why our faith is weak. And I'm going, no wonder your faith is weak. You got nobody. You got nobody. And so we walk in and, and here's, the, here's the rub. We need people to walk with us and we need to walk, walk with God with other people. So when the battle comes, we'll be ready. But it's going to take time to build that strength. It's going to take time to build that faith. How about you? Are you in private building that faith, building that strength? Are you? Are you getting together, ladies, are you getting together with girlfriends and building that faith? Seriously, are you, building, are you just trying to go ISO Lone Ranger? Good luck with that. You need people. Guys, how about you? Who are you building faith with? Who's speaking into you? Man, I encourage you, our young guys. Man, last Sunday night for me, guys, was fantastic. I walked out energized. Because we did what last week? Our young men's group, last Sunday night, what did we do, guys? We began to speak into each other about our marriages. Guess how I walked out? We got open with each other. We began to discuss some deeper things with each other. We began to, our struggles. Guess what happens to our faith? My faith went up. I was like, praise Jesus, I'm not in this boat alone. Because marriage is hard. Right? Marriage is hard. Who is it? Who do you got? And how are you building your faith? Times of testing are coming, guys. They're coming. Don't run. Run into the battle. And say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of the testing? What are you trying to build inside of me in the midst of the testing? What do you want to do in the midst of the testing? Let's pray. So, Father, we come and we thank you for your word. Man, Father, we thank you for the times of testing. I know they are not always enjoyable. They are difficult. And I know that, Lord, we uh, sometimes struggle in the midst of the testing. But I pray that, Father, you would help us to see that you are building within us faith. You are building our faith up in the midst of the testing. And I pray that this morning we would cling to the great I am. We would cling to the one who says, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I pray that, we, Lord, we would cling to you this morning. I pray for the person in here right now who's having a Kairos moment even right now, that moment where we can feel our gut. Something is off inside of us. I pray that, Lord, you would do your work inside of them right now, that, Lord, you would bring them to your attention what is really going on, and that, Lord, you would walk with them through that. And I pray that you would build their faith up. Their, their faith muscles would be just exercised here in the next few moments. Lord, we need you. We beg and plead with you to show up. We beg and plead with you to do your work inside of us. Lord, we need you this morning. May we cling to you as you walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.